0: I think you have to be willing to realize there may be, as I, authenticity is a journey, and you sort of lean into it as you get more comfortable and you figure out these messages that you were given don't actually align with who you feel like you are. And so you let them go. And as you shed those, sometimes you lose relationships, but that's because they were tied to a version of you that wasn't authentic.
1: Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your Superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. I have today on the Moms Without Capes podcast our guest, Dr. Erica Mikowski, and she has a robust history of providing enthusiastic keynotes and engaging workshops dedicated to empowering participants and cultivating new ideas about professional development. Erica is passionate about creating environments where individuals feel equipped to tackle new challenges as they move forward in personal and professional endeavors. She chooses to anchor all her work by using four primary lenses, authenticity, neuroscience, positive psychology, and evolution. In other words, there's a little something for everyone when Erica gets involved. So Erica, welcome to the Moms Without Capes podcast. We are so happy that you are able to join us today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much. And I knew when, so for all of the listeners- (laughs) Um, If you haven't noticed Erica, we share a last name, and when Erica was applying to be on the podcast she actually pointed that out, and so I knew in a minute like I knew instantly that because we are name buddies, as you we know, are, <laughs> that I had just had to have you on the show um, because our name isn't that common and we do spell a little bit different. I spell with a Y and an I, and we, I assume talk- that is something that happened on Ellis Island to different
0: people. So I'm betting if we unpack it a smidge, there's a connection point somewhere.
1: Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, we were, we're related somehow. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm so happy to talk to you and, to have this chat this morning. And we are going to be talking about authenticity. It's my very and, favorite subject. Yes. And I love that, you know, because, you know, we're all about taking off our capes and getting away from that hustle culture and thinking that we have to do everything and be everything. And a lot of times that keeps us trapped. And as moms, we often lose ourselves under that superwoman cape and we lose ourselves under our mom hat. And so it is so important to rediscover and get comfortable with who we are underneath. And so that is why I'm looking forward to diving into this topic with you. Great. So before we begin, how about you tell us a little bit, I read your intro, but why not tell us a little bit more about who you are and your journey and what has brought you to where you are today?
0: Sure. I am a mom who also happens to work. Um, That's usually how I lead things, especially because I'm on the like, my my kids are six and seven. We have two daughters. And last night, my six-year-old got to make a very powerful decision on behalf of herself to have a major haircut. And she has so much confidence right now that I'm on. Like, I think that we get, in sort of that mom high, there's, there's work high and there's mom high. And when your kid's confidence comes out of every pore of their body, you can't help but have some of that mom high. So I am still riding the mom high because this morning on our walk to school, my daughter was living for her hair and for who she felt like she was. And she told me, which pairs well with what we're talking about, she told me this is how she thinks she'll probably always keep her hair because she feels the most paisley. And we talk in my house about how you feel like yourself. Um, And when we talk about authenticity, um, this comes up a lot. But so I'm a mom. I get to be a mom. And I'm grateful for that. And I get to run my own company. I run a company called Strategically Authentic. It is rooted in the idea that people can leverage who they are to get where they want to go. And that means a lot of different things for different clients. I have deep roots in nonprofit and academic institutions, um, spaces and corporate spaces as well. So I've been kind of all over the map working in areas of professional development, team development, and strategic planning, um, project management, a lot of the soft skills and some of the tactical strategic planning and mapping things as well. But most of my energy is spent on the places where authenticity hits that work. So even in a strategic planning retreat that I'm leading with a CEO and his team, and then the stakeholders along the way, authenticity still drives the work that I do.
1: Okay. All right. So how do you, how do you, let's talk about, I'm all about like self-care and what do you feel how do you feel that authenticity ties into self-care? or What role do you feel? Oh, that-
0: because I think we're all told what self-care is instead of invited to think about it for ourselves. So authenticity asks you what self-care is for you and allows you the permission to have it be different than what it is for someone else. I think baths are terrible. Oh, yes. my, well, oh man, I'm not a bath person. <laughs> and I'm not a
1: massage person. So <laughs> my house, okay. Okay. I like
0: a massage, but I get really anxious that I'm going to fall asleep and miss how wonderful and relaxing it is. So it's like okay. a weird mix of stress and non-stress, but I'm not a bath person. I know lots of people who love a good bath and I love that for them. And I want them to have the time and space for that. But when you think about self-care through an authenticity lens, for me, self, self-care is, I mean, in my bio, you hear me talk about the four lenses that I anchor my work. I am a nerd. I am okay with being a nerd. I'm quite proud of being a nerd. I love that I live a nerd life. I'm married to a nerd. He's a molecular virologist. We are good at nerd, right? <laughs> so, and I, and I'm okay with that. I, I don't say I that. You seem
1: comfortable. Oh
0: yeah. No, I'm great about it. I don't say it in a self-deprecating way. I say it in a, this is who we are kind of way. And we happen to have friends, some who lean into nerd things. So we want to do nerdier things together. And some who lean in, in other directions that are also part of how we you know, exists, so it's fine, but when I have time to decompress, sometimes my go-to choice is like a new documentary. We want, we watch a lot of documentaries around here, and it seems like work to some people that know us. Man, you're watching another one of those, like that learning would be work and would not be identified as self-care. I am very much uncomfortable if I can look back at the end of my day and I haven't learned new things. That's part of who I am. So I don't want to set myself up to be uncomfortable at the end of the day. So I generally am learning new things somehow. And self-care for me is watching nerdy documentaries. Sometimes, not always. Sometimes self-care is taking my children to my mother-in-law's house who lives across town and getting takeout and watching reruns of Seinfeld because they're now on Netflix. So this is not an ad, but they are. Um,
1: (laughs) you make a great point like being authentic means discovering and being aware of what works for you and what what you enjoy and what yeah if it doesn't charge your batteries it's
0: not self-care and if we do this thing where we're we are given so many messages in all directions but uh, particularly about self-care we are given 11 billion, that's a technical term, 11 billion <laughs> messages about what self-care is. And if we don't use a filter of authenticity to say that would not serve me, that would serve me, what happens is we feel defeated and we feel like we're doing something wrong. The only thing we're doing wrong is trying to seek relief and a recharge state from something that's not going to recharge us. Mm-hmm. I don't plug my cell phone into the charger for something else. I just thought I couldn't think of anything else that I have a, a Mac. So my phone would plug it. I was going to say my computer yeah. charger, but they all work. It does. But it, <laughs> I mean, the point's the same, right? If I had a rechargeable camera battery, I wouldn't plug my batteries into an a cord that isn't designed to charge me. Right. So what,
1: what works for you?
0: Yeah. What's really important is to honor in ourselves and other people, what self-care looks like, because I know some people's self-care is a thing that would either exhaust me or not be appealing to me. I don't need to have judgment about their choice to do it. I just can say that's not a choice I would make, but I don't have to have a judgmental opinion about it. I can say, huh, I'm fascinated that that charges your battery because it doesn't charge mine, but I love that you have that. And I say this to people a lot. I love that you have that. I love that that exists for you. I love that you have that knowledge. And when I work with, sometimes I coach individual clients and do consulting with individuals and sometimes teams and, and entire companies. So when I work with individuals, one of the questions that I ask is, how do you have a good day? So there's a book by Matthew Kelly, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but um, I can give it to you and you can put it in the okay. notes. You are now in the Facebook group too. So so yes, I am. I'm, I'm there. But yes, I will put it in so, the show notes. I can't think of what it's called right now. Off Balance might be what it's called. Oh, okay. Okay. But it's by Matthew Kelly. And I will say, it is not my favorite book. There are certainly pieces that I'm not on board with, and there's some philosophical differences that I have. But in this book, he talks about how you can't guarantee a great day always. And that's an unrealistic expectation, but most of us know a few key things that can set us up to have a good day to protect us or prepare us for equip us for a good day. So he says that once a year, he does it once a year. I think that it's more effective to do quarterly because some of us are very seasonally affected, but he said once a year, he looks at what are five things that, you know, you need to have a good day. Three to five is the range. You don't need 27 and they don't have to be big, fancy things. I will tell you, I would openly admit this to all of you on this thing. One of my five things to have a good day, and it doesn't fit on my calendar. It's just something that my head. is sending a random message to my husband during his work day. It can be a quote from our children from the night before. It can be a quote from something we've watched or a quote from something we've watched often that we love or something, or a reminder about something. It's just a to appear in his life unexpectedly and with love and tenderness. And sometimes it's like quotes from our children are tenderness too, but our marriage is anchored in seeing and hearing and valuing each other. Yes. So for me, one of my five things about having a good day is reinforcing that I see and hear and value him. That's part of my day. So if I don't do that, I know that my day is less likely to be good. Right. Um, so, you know, it isn't, I have to run 12 miles every day. That right. may be someone else's. And then you have to figure out how to put it in your schedule. But what you put in your schedule, what you create habits around, if there are three to five things that you know create a baseline of a good day, it also makes it a whole lot easier to have a great day. I have a, I have a client who has problems drinking water and has figured out that drinking enough water and Matthew Kelly, that's one of his actually, when he was right at the time of writing the book, it was about how much water he drank. So it's not creating more work for yourself. Right. It's creating intentional components to your day that support your mental health and well-being positively. That's all. So it might I be remembering that. to eat lunch for some people. Like
1: right. Three to five things is totally achievable, something that you can do. And you mentioned something um, about feeling defeated. And a lot of the moms that are listening to this feel that they're not enough. They struggle with that underlying belief of feeling like they're not enough. And we are fed from so many different areas. You know, you have to do this for self care. You have to do this, and like add more and more and more. And instead, you know, it, it ends up leaving a mom who is already overwhelmed. Right. that much more overwhelmed like oh my gosh I gotta do all of this I gotta do self-care too like how can I handle everything but I think choosing three to five things little things yeah. that you know are going to contribute to that good day are is something that many moms can do and sure. finding what works for you and not thinking that you have to do what everybody else is saying that you have to do.
0: And when you are struggling, mom, life is hard. Um,
1: <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred percent.
0: hard. It's, and everyone has their version of hard and their authentic story about hard. I happen to have a three and a half month old and a 20 month old when my husband started emergency chemo. So I appreciate that mom life is hard and stressful. And that at that time, if this had been a mindset that I was living in, I probably would have put, remember to brush your teeth on my list of three to five things, mm-hmm. because at that time. My humanness was so compromised by the stress that I was facing. So sometimes, if we look at what's going on, the things that we need and that we need to remind ourselves of and that we can invest in aren't elaborate. And at a different time in their life, they will easily come up. And yeah, similarly, what what's on my list um, from quarter to quarter. There may be things on my list that never appear on your list. And that's okay because Mm -hmm. authenticity eliminates competition. And that's why I love it so much. You can't be in competition with other people and live your authentic life. It doesn't work. You can be in competition with them, I suppose, in a sports format. Like if you're a marathon runner and you know, part of your authentic self is about running marathons, then completion and, and if your goal is to win or whatever, there are layers of that. But in general, when it comes to life, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to being a spouse, when it comes to being a neighbor, when it comes to being a volunteer, when it comes to whatever it is, authenticity expects that you will release competition.
1: That you bring out your unique gifts and your talents and what makes you, you.
0: Yes. And that this makes so much what, sense. This is what I call your est self, EST. And it sounds silly, but let me tell you this is the story about where my love of authenticity came from in my driving force. This is where ultimately the name of my company came from. And um, inside some of my glasses, I have it etched to be authentic. Authenticity matters a lot to me and it had my whole life, but I didn't realize it until this pivotal moment. I was driving my children, we live in Fort Collins and I was driving to Denver. We had a day off of daycare. And so we were going on a day trip to Denver to do some things. And I had, because I have a background in education, including some in early childhood education, I had the whole day mapped out. We had theme, we had clothing that was going, we dressed a certain way because of it. We had snacks a certain way. We, you know, we, were, we had a plan. Everything was very elaborate. I also am not a subtle human being. Um, <laughs> this is in the Facebook group. You will learn this about me quickly because I show up as myself and it usually involves glitter and bright red or bright pink lipstick. Um, and blonde hair that mother nature doesn't understand is who I am authentically. So i <laughs> But... I had this big elaborate thing. I don't like to do things low-key because I have had enough experiences to remind me that this might be the last moment. And so I wanted to be yeah. full. I wanted to be filled with as much enthusiasm for life as I possibly can. So I invent these elaborate things. It is a choice for me. I know some of you are listening right now and you are having anxiety just hearing the idea that you routinely have to create elaborate things. You don't have to, because that's not your authentic right. self, but it is mine. So In this elaborate makeup of this day, I was talking to a friend of mine as I was driving and I had explained what the day was. And she said, Erica, you are the best mom. And I stopped her in her tracks. And I said, that is absolutely not true, but I am the Erica-ist mom and my kids know who I am every time they see me and that matters.
1: That's great. And,
0: And so being the est version of yourself. Being the mm-hmm. Ericaist mom, being the Ericaist, when I give my keynote. When I give a keynote, people know who is going to be on stage because they've had a meeting with me beforehand and they, you know, they invite me and we do all that stuff. I don't want to surprise people <laughs> by being something else. I want them to be prepared for what I'm coming as. Because see, I, they're real you. Yeah. And because if they don't, I'm a, I'm a lot. If you don't want this, this is not what you would recruit, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So the same is true for my family. For the first 10 years of being a mom, I told myself that I did not have the time to go out with friends or to learn a new hobby. I told myself that my focus now had to be on my children, and they were my responsibility and my responsibility alone. I would feel guilty if I did anything fun without my children and husband, and I'd feel resentful since my husband seemed to just come and go without any of the kids even noticing. I, on the other hand, would get bombarded by my kids if I said I was going for a walk alone, so I stopped trying. I stopped making dates with friends, and I stopped knowing who I was. I didn't know how to ask for help, and I felt weak and like I wasn't a good mom because I wanted it. I needed help, but I didn't know how to ask. I became a control freak, really, trying to control everything and everyone, because if things weren't in order, it reflected on me and my worthiness. I filled my plate. Boy was I busy. I volunteered. I led groups. I got involved in everything. Looking back, I can see clearly that I was trying to prove my my worth, but really it was exhausting and it led me to feeling like a failure because I just couldn't keep up. I fed myself all kinds of lies. I don't have time. I don't need that walk. I can do this alone. I thought that the world was going to fall apart if I did something I enjoyed. And I told myself this for so long, I actually stopped knowing what it was that I even enjoyed. Sad, I know. But can you relate? I felt trapped by my own excuses, but it wasn't until I started recognizing them for what they were that I was able to finally break free from them. I created a guide to help other moms break free from the lies and to start taking care of themselves. It took me 10 years. It definitely doesn't have to take you that long. I'll put the link to this guide in the show notes so that you can grab your copy and be on your way to breaking free from the guilt and start rediscovering who you are Under that mom hat.
0: Oh, I think you have to be willing to realize there may be as authenticity is a journey and you sort of lean into it as you get more comfortable and you figure out these messages that you were given don't actually align with who you feel like you are. And so you let them go. And as you shed those, sometimes you lose relationships, but that's because they were tied to a version of you that wasn't authentic a version of you that was people pleasing hello ladies who are people pleasers I love you all but it is people pleasing will always dilute authenticity yes and we are also allowed to change and evolve and so authenticity I am I am my authentic self here in this moment during this interview it is different than who I was 10 years ago, but I would say 10 years ago, I was still living an authentic life because I'm constantly it's change. craving and changing. Sure. Yeah. So the biggest challenge, I think with authenticity is when people aren't prepared for you to have a sense of self if they have been dictating your sense of self for you.
1: Right. So that interferes with your relationship and being yeah. able to grow with it.
0: Correct. I and there I are probably, I mean, not probably, there are some professional environments where who I am wouldn't work and that's okay. Um, I, that's true of any personality type on the yes. planet. There's no universal truth about who you're supposed to be in a specific job or all these things and how we do it. And right. sometimes I can be calmer. Like it's possible. It's just not my favorite.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> it's
0: <not your> <laughs> I am capable of toning it down a little bit, but even in that toned down, my level of enthusiasm for the people that I'm spending my time with. hmm doesn't get toned down. So I am very intentional about not being a diluted version of myself or trying to replicate when I work with new professionals, particularly young professionals, they often know who they want to be like and who they want to emulate. These are theoretically great ideas because right. the books that we read are always, you know, we're examining other people. But when books are written, they're typically examined in like the leadership space or the uh, professional development space. They're examining the traits and impact of that person, not right. that person themselves. So they are. you need to digest the impact that you wanna replicate and figure out how you do right. that as an authentic self because it will be more powerful. Um, and trying to
1: replicate that person
0: eventually the steam runs out and being somebody else and yes. you're, you're true and it's self exhausting. It's exhausting well it's exhausting but also your true yeah. self shines through so how embarrassing to be in um, a marriage or in a senior leader position at a company um, and to all of a sudden be unable to continue being a version of someone else and then right. be faced with being yourself
1: right right it's like an internal struggle that you start facing yeah. So, what is your favorite way? I know you said you don't like baths, and I do not. (laughs) We've talked about how self care has to be authentic to you. So, what is your favorite way to practice self care?
0: I we happen to have a dog. We did not get a pandemic dog. We got her just before the pandemic, but (laughs) she sort of has the same personality traits of a lot of people's pandemic dogs. And since I work from home, she's with me a lot. But on my calendar, it is blocked. For a daily walk with my dog. Okay. And during that walk, I generally listen to nonfiction audiobooks. So I get in a lot of reading with air quotes because I'm listening um, and Ooh. I believe they count. I think it counts. Yes,
1: absolutely. Um, because I don't, for me too. <laughs> because I don't ever sit and
0: read the way that I would walk and read and, and let my mind wander. So um, I am constantly consuming new information. Sometimes mm-hmm. it relates to my work. Sometimes it's completely unrelated and just interesting. I listened to a book um about the takedown of the mafia in New York. Oh. And that's it was suggested to me by my library because I think it was a nonfiction audiobook and the library mm-hmm. was like, we don't know what to do with you. You keep picking random <laughs> things. How do you feel about the mafia? But I listened to this book and it was it's called The Good Rat. And it was just fascinating to be in this world of things. So for me, self-care is, is spending time being intentionally fascinated by something.
1: Okay. Yes. And it definitely is intentional. You oh yeah, absolutely. Cause I got so to the You block it out on your calendar and you I put it on my calendar.
0: Book. It's on my calendar on my wall. It is blocked
1: out. It is. Now is that one of your five things? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, is. it is one of my five things is
0: walk with a dog. And sometimes if I am, um, I will say that, you know, the, the, the beauty of being in charge of your own list is you're in charge of your own list. And some days, because I have, um, recently I had, um, a lot of stress around a particular client and the launch of some products that I was working on for them. And my anxiety was a little extra amped up and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to process nonfiction or even fiction. I wasn't going to be able to process any sort of audiobook in a way that was going to serve me. Right. So on that day, the walk still happened, but I listened to 90s pop music and sing along to all of my high school favorites right. while I was walking the dog and so it still served that same purpose. Part of it is being outside, part of it is moving my body, part of it is choosing to put up boundaries around my yes. work and have that sacred space where it's just me and my That's thoughts and whatever right. happens.
1: Okay, so now, as part of my, I have a membership, and as part of my membership, we started a book club, and it's the Unstoppable Self-Growth Book Club, and so we focus on self-development and self-growth, like that genre of books, Mm -hmm. so I want to ask you, what book have you read that has no I did ask you this it was in an email I don't what, but you were asking me to pick one and I don't know oh, You all
0: won't see this but my bookshelf is full of these things I, I love this stuff.
1: I would have the same problem too so maybe I shouldn't ask. <laughs> but if you could pick one or like maybe one or two what books do would you say have strongly like impacted or changed your life
0: okay particularly for this group as well. And I will, I, I feel like I should come to the table with this caveat. My husband has an hour commute every day and we have marriage book club. Um, so we alternate which books that we have. And if I have the one copy from the library, he's always like waiting for me to finish. So we usually don't listen to them at the same time, like back to back. Okay. We alternate and we discuss them. One of the books that was really impactful for me and also for my husband, because he is an only child and he didn't grow up around a lot of women Girls, any of that. He's raising two daughters. There's a book called Brave Not Perfect. Okay. And it's by the woman who founded Girls Who Code, who also had an that unsuccessful joke. run for political office and a number of other things. And it is an incredible look at the messaging that girls get growing up that they carry into their adult lives. Hmm. And it was a really, for me, some of it was just really validating. Like, yes I absolutely know what she's talking about it was really helpful for Dan to say oh my gosh we're not letting anyone talk to our children like this or oh my gosh this he mm-hmm. actually when he finished it some of our good friends have daughters and so he called our
1: good friend he was like you have to read this book I put it on your list we have, have five daughters we have five daughters in one okay so I'm writing this book down
0: <laughs> Brave not perfect is is very much on the list and then there's another book called the happiness advantage okay And I really like it. All the books that I'm going to pick also have like a research undertone because that's who I am as a human. Sure. I am authentic (laughs) in my love of research because I want data to tell me. What is it called the happiness? Advantage. Advantage. Because I have the happiness project. Yeah. That's Gretchen Rubin. And that's really great. And I have a quote from that book sitting on my computer right next to me because I love Gretchen Rubin. And the quote from that book that I love so much that I've used in a lot of my work is enthusiasm is a form of social courage. Okay. Okay. And when you are an enthusiastic person and you're trying to live an authentic life, sometimes people want you to dilute who you are. So I remind myself that I'm being courageous when I show up as my authentic, enthusiastic self. Thank yes. you, Gretchen Rubin, who I love. But
1: That's happiness be, I have it on the list of the books that the happiness good. that we're going to be reading. So. Good, good,
0: good, good. Um, happiness Advantage is a little bit different, um, but it is about the benefits of happiness, uh, you know, you have to be careful with happiness because there's toxic positivity and I am not right. interested in toxic right. positivity. When someone is having a bad day, I'm not about to tell them whose day is worse. They're I don't, positive. I think that's really problematic, but happiness advantage is a great research-based look at what happiness and positivity can do in our lives. And then the last book, You asked me for one. I can't do that. That's okay. I I get it. (laughs) I should just have my own book club. Um so the last book is, I think it's officially called The Book of Joy. I'm double checking. Um, but it is um on my shelf of
1: joy, I think.
0: Yes, it is called the Book of Joy. It is an and the audio version is beautiful if you can do, some people are like, I just can't do audiobooks. If you can do audiobooks in any way, I encourage you to do this as an audiobook. It is a narrated dialogue between Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, who are great friends. And it is, it has religious perspectives, but your religious affiliation doesn't have any role in whether or not you're going to get anything out of this book. Um, Because it is about so many different aspects of life and joy. And the audiobook does a great job of having multiple readers. So there's a reader who's designated to everything the Dalai Lama says, and a reader who's designated to everything Desmond Tutu says, and then a reader designated to the rest of the text in the book. Mm-hmm. And that book is one of those books that you know you're going to read more than once, um, mm-hmm. for sure. So that book absolutely
1: impacted your life. It, yeah,
0: it, it gave me a lot of, again, some of this is validation. And I think a lot of us are craving a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. I just want to know the choices that I'm making aren't crazy. So, I mean, some of them are, and that's okay, because if I believe in them and I'm committed to them and they're not hurting other people, it doesn't matter if someone thinks my choice is crazy. I right. accidentally invented a weekly holiday called Burger Thursday in our house. And now it's starting to catch on in, the, in Fort Collins because the restaurant that I usually get my burgers from has started to embrace that. I call it that. And so today they made a social media post about burger Thursday and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm turning, I'm changing the world. It's because I don't like yes, making dinner on Thursday. Mom. mom, Thursday dinner is the worst night of the week because it's still it, not Friday. It is. We always it is.
1: We always, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we just started doing takeout. We were we were going to do takeout. This started during the pandemic and we were going to do some sort of takeout and their social media feed had some family deal on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, we're getting Thursday or we're getting burgers. And they were really good. So we did it the next week. Oh, and so lo and behold, Burger amazing. Thursday was born. <laughs> awesome. But we, you know, so I think some of these books are really validation that your existence
1: is, mm-hmm. is for you and you're allowed yes. to do it as yourself. Awesome. So... Erica, where can listeners find you?
0: Oh, the best way to find me is probably on Instagram. I'm pretty active, and um, I share a lot of the thoughts that I have on authenticity in through the lens of professional development, mostly. But I, I think most people can also internalize that for their own self and in their own life. And and sometimes I talk about both. So my Instagram handle is consultant Barbie because. All body image issues aside, the thing about Barbie that I connect with is she went to space in pink glitter, right? (laughs) She went to space as her authentic self. She has done everything as her authentic self. If we assume that Barbie really does love pink to the degree that we have been told. Mm -hmm. So she may have some plastic surgery anomalies happening, (laughs) but as a lifestyle and as an existence, that ability to be who you are and do it as yourself is a thing that I just really read. I grew up with Barbie. I loved Barbie. I played Barbie Mm -hmm. longer than probably any of my friends because I just loved everything about creating that world where these dolls were themselves. And I was, you know, part of contributing to that. So, um, consultant Barbie on Instagram and also on my Instagram profile,
1: you can find my website, which is. Okay. um, And and I will put all of that. I'll put all of that in the show notes and in the comments in the, um for people to find you when I post perfect. about the yes. podcast episode. Yes.
0: So, so Erica, be in either place and I will fill you with all of the glittery enthusiasm that you need
1: and maybe some Perfect. And so if you are in the Facebook group and um, you're listening to this and you have any questions for Erica. She is now a mom without cape, so she's in <sighs> the group, so you can always tag her and ask her any questions you have about this episode or if you want to know more information. And I will also put our contact information. Erica, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and talking all about letting our cape be our our letting authenticity be our cape.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to all the ways that you moms out there. Leverage authenticity on behalf of yourself and the people that you love.
1: Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves. There sure is. And we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape. And give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook, or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Capes podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days until next time take care of you you are worth it